Welcome to the First Impressions Podcast, the official podcast of the Forum of Incident Response and Security Teams. Every month, Chris John Riley and myself, Martin McKay, share informal conversations with security professionals from around the globe. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the speakers alone, and any sarcasm you hear is purely intentional. For more information on FIRST or this podcast, please check out FIRST.org. Thanks very much for joining us. We're lucky enough to be talking to Amanda Berlin, CEO and founder of uh, Mental Health Hackers. Sorry, I just wanted to make sure I got that right. Um, Mental Health Hackers. Thank you very much for joining us, Amanda. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. So uh, we've been wanting to get you on the show for a while now. In fact, I think we we first spoke about a year ago to try and get you on, but then uh, the scheduling situation hit and uh, we let it slide so apologies for that so is, is that what we're calling it a a uh, scheduling situation it's, yeah it's let's call best. it a, yeah, yeah let's call scheduling it. nightmare over the last year yeah because you know we've all been <laughs> traveling a lot and we've been in work and stuff and definitely right. have not been living and working at home for a majority of that time so right all in one room exactly so it's it's kind of timely where you know it's it's been let's just say a tough year or two for quite a lot of people yeah, I, I see Martin shaking his head. So uh, it's either very tough for Martin or, or he's having a ball of a time. I think we're on March um, 395 of, of uh, 2020. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> right. At least. Now, yeah, every, time, uh, every time I turn the calendar over, it's still March 2020. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit like about what you've been doing pre-pandemic, right? So the, the Mental Health Hackers initiative came about before the world ended. Um, okay. So so you've been doing a lot of work before this happened. And then we can try and kind of drift into, you know, what the world looks like now when everyone is finally realizing this is, this is something they really need to pay attention to. Sure. So, yeah, I started uh, at least talking about mental health related things in 2017, I think. And it was just like, uh, you know, I was invited to do my first keynote and I wanted to do it on something not specifically security related, something, you know, if you have red team and blue team and maybe um, like C levels or whoever's in the room, I wanted it to kind of touch on something that would help everybody. So I recently been talking about like my own struggles with depression and anxiety. And I thought, you know, I, I wonder if there's any correlation in information security. So I did, started doing a whole bunch of reading and turns out that there is a correlation when it comes to like the STEM fields and depression and being bipolar and all this kind of stuff. So I did my first talk on that kind of stuff and uh, it got to a point where I was just reusing that same talk. I, I probably gave it over a dozen times. And I usually don't when it's a technical talk, right? It's, it's being recorded. You can just point somebody to it or a blog post or whatever. They're going to get the same amount of stuff out of it. But this is one of those talks that I don't know that people would choose to necessarily watch unless they're forced to sit there. <laughs> You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. I mean, I, th yeah. I think what you're doing and expo I mean, exposing yourself is the wrong term to use here, especially with <laughs> on the call. <laughs> Uh, but exposing that vulnerability that people yeah. don't necessarily understand that everybody in security feels to some degree, that every human being feels to some degree. 
yeah. um, is important. I mean, I've done some work on that. Uh, you've probably, you may have seen like some of the talks Jack Daniels given. There's just a, a lot of people who don't realize that. Yeah, we're not kidding. We're we're talking scientifically when we say, yeah, this is a high stress career. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's been studies done by. Um, I think there was one at Berkeley that interviewed people going for like their masters and doctorates and stuff. And over 50% of them had considered suicide at some point. So you're thinking, okay, well, you know, they're really smart, successful people and they seemed like they had their stuff going on just, just like everybody in our community seems to. And then you're like, oh, wait a minute, there's, there's something wrong here. <laughs> um, and a lot of people, like, I, I, I got a couple, a couple pieces of feedback for that first talk of, hey, you're, you're making a lot of people feel really uncomfortable in the audience. Uh, good. That's good. Yeah, yeah that's, right. That's, that's, like, that's, that's what thing. I kind of thought, too. I'm like, well, if you're not struggling with it, chances are someone you know or work with or is in your family is, um, yeah. like, looking just at the numbers. So, I mean, why not? educate yourself about anything mental health related. If, if, you, if you're not struggling with it right now, you don't know someone who's struggling with it right now, you might want to pay more attention because someone is struggling with it right now. And, yeah. and it's useful ammunition for you in the future. I mean, I, I, I went through burnout two or three years ago, you know, keeps coming back. And, and what I learned most valuable for me during that period of time was how to recognize it coming back. Right is because if you don't recognize it coming back, you're going to fall into that same pit again. So, being forewarned and knowing what to look out for is really helpful. So, talks like yours where you talk openly about your experiences and and how people can recognize that in their self and others is really really valuable. Yeah. Um, so I I thought at that point why 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 limit myself to only doing like an hour talk every however times I go to a conference and open it up to something bigger. So I opened it up and um, we ended up doing, this was before Mental Health Hackers was even a thing. It was just me and some volunteers. And I opened it up at the at DerbyCon 8. I wanted to see you know, what kind of uh, interest would be in the community. So I did a GoFundMe to kind of just fund doing the room. And I got, the original goal was like $1,500. And the first two days I got 7,000. <laughs> Wow. Nice. Uh, yeah. I'm like, what, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this money. Uh, Cause it's just like me and I was going to like buy coloring books and like bean bags. So I don't know what I'm going to do with all this money. So I ended up like just blowing it up and we did a whole bunch of stuff. So we had like therapy dogs and I brought in massage therapists for two days and I did chair massages and we did, uh, we had an entire talk track. So we had people come and talk about like emotional intelligence and like the fears of finding a therapist and how to like organize when you're doing a pen test, like just random things that work for people to help their mental health. Um, and it's just all by people in the community. We weren't, we're not mental health professionals, right? Like I sit and look at logs all day. Uh, it, I'm not, you know, we never, none of our volunteers ever pretend that we're mental health professionals other than the few that are. <laughs> Because <laughs> uh, now we actually have like uh, psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors and stuff that like helping that are just part of like the extended community. But what I think 
Chris kind of hinted at this a moment ago uh, of, hey, if you don't think you know anybody who's depressed or suicidal or, or just dealing with burnout, you need to pay more attention because you're missing something. Yep. And I think the work that, that you do and the, that, that you came out of that is people understanding that, hey, I'm not alone, that there are other people out here. And in, in my experience, that has had that has a huge impact on professionals to, to understand that they're not unique. I mean, yeah. you talked about a 50% number. Um, I'm not, I know that I'm one of those people who, because of my career, has at one time considered suicide. Okay. And obviously I didn't do it, but, uh, it, it's, it's interesting when people actually see you paying attention to them and going, Hey, are you all right? Um, mm -hmm. they, they may not have recognized how badly they, they're feeling themselves. I mean, Chris brought up another good point of it's really important to just be able to recognize your own, own symptoms when it, when dealing with this sort of thing. And that's, I think, one of the biggest values that came out of your work uh, originally and continues to pay back. Yeah, like falling into those patterns. And we're not, we're not robots. I mean, we're humans. We're not, I mean, sure, we work with computers all the time, but that's much different. Yeah, the whole realizing you're not alone is why I started talking about it, because I thought, I thought I was in the beginning, like, I thought, you know, I've, when I, when I realized like I had a problem, like before I was on any meds or anything, I'm like, I was like, I don't know, 24 or something. And like, oh, you know, I'm super uh, late into my life already. <laughs> and I've, you know, dealt with so much on my own. I could totally handle this. I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to do anything about it. I can handle it. Just, you know, you internalize it and you put all those feelings like down deep inside where they belong. Uh, and then you know, that never turns out well, surprisingly. And we had people, you know, give some of those talks. And, and one of them was about like self-harm and suicide. And when we were, there was probably, I don't know, 30, 40 people in the room. And it started out as a talk and then turned into like this just group therapy session because everybody was chiming in like, oh, yeah, like the other day when this happened, this is how I felt. And like everybody was kind of going back and forth. And at the end, there was like probably two girls and the rest were just like white dudes. Right. And they're they're all just bawling their eyes out. Um, and my friend looked at me, he's like, you know, out of all the people I know, you're one person that could make all of these guys cry at once. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's, it's a fun. It's, it's funny from after hanging out with you at a few conferences, I can imagine many ways that you could make a, a room full of guys cry, but yeah. yes. Um, That's one of them. <laughs> it's, it's one of them. It's one of them. So. Wow. Um, I don't know how to follow that one. Um, I, that's it. I'm, I'm legit lost now. Um, I don't know. No, I, I was speechless for a moment, but it's fine. I'm back. So, I mean, how's, how has this work changed you? Right. I mean, you've, you started this journey because you, you wanted to talk about it. You wanted to give other people information. You wanted to destigmatize this, but yeah. inevitably this is going to have changed how you see things. Uh, sure. How, yeah, how's that helped? Uh, so at first, it 
it, it kind of went in this roller coaster because at first, I, I mean, I, I still love what I'm, I'm doing and, and I love doing all this kind of stuff. But, you know, in the beginning, you're just like, okay, well, I, I did this one village and now people are trying to give me money. So I'm just going to start a nonprofit. How hard could it be? And, <laughs> and that's, then, a, that's another episode entirely how to yeah. start a nonprofit. Uh, and then, and then I realized how much I was getting burnout by doing my, my normal job, kids, house, extra side gigs, you know, everybody's got those, um, plus starting a nonprofit and then traveling more because of that. And then I got to a certain point, I'm like, oh my gosh, now I'm getting burnt out trying to teach people about not about how not to get burnt out. Like this isn't, this is crazy. So it, it was very, uh, it was, it was helpful for me to actually take my own advice and like the advice of other people that had talked. And, uh, I got better at delegating all around in life. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's, that's a skill people, people do not get early enough in their career is how to say, mm-hmm. No, I'm not going to do this, but I'll talk to someone else about how they can do that rather yes. than do it, right? And then not worrying if it gets done or not. Oh, no, that's like, a, that's, that's another yeah. skill. I haven't got that one yet. Um, <laughs> my therapist would, would, would be proud that I actually said that, but it's, um, yeah, I, I've not got to that point where I can hand something off to someone and then not, not monitor that it is getting done in exactly the way I expect it to be done. Um, uh, yeah, that's, yeah. Just, that's so stressful. The manager from hell, Chris John Riley. <laughs> yeah. uh, as as a non manager, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm I'm not a manager. I, I actually, as part of my burnout, I stepped back as being a manager for for a couple of reasons. One of them was that, that being a manager for me was just this huge ball of stress in everything. But also, if I'm hugely stressed about that, I'm not doing what people report to me need. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's sometimes if, if you're thinking, if you're out there and you're listening and, and you're a manager and this is causing you huge amounts of stress and you need that, I'm going to say excuse, but it's not, you need that, that reason, that piece of logic to say, this is best for everyone. Like think about how, how this affects other people. Cause maybe you're stressing other people out, right? Right. Send yeah. an emails, send an emails at seven o'clock in the morning, stresses people out. Just saying. Use, use that time send function. When was the last time you sent an email at seven in the morning, Chris? The last time. It's always seven o'clock in some time zone, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, if you're not paying attention to the, the time zone of the people you're sending messages to, then you're causing stress. So, <laughs> But Chris, you also brought up a, a, a good point, which I think is part of Amanda's main job here, which is you said my therapist. You were saying... You were are publicly saying I, I'm going to see a therapist and that's okay. Yeah, it, a lot of part Amanda's work is about saying, you know what, burnout is a human condition. Suicidal tendencies, suicidal thoughts are a human condition. Stress is a human condition. Just because we're in a weird state of of sending emails and pretending that they actually have an impact on reality. Uh, doesn't mean we're less stressed or, or dealing with this any better than anybody else. Right. Yep. Probably worse, to be honest. We're just more vocal about things. Yeah. So I whine all the time. Just ask my wife. <laughs> oh, he does. He does. But yeah, I was going to bring up the same thing. Just, uh, well, I, that, I do that think Martin it's, uh, whines all the time. 
<laughs> You're going to accuse me of whining too much. Is that what it is? Amanda? No, no, that I'll save that for later. Um, no. Uh, yeah. Just mentioning the therapy thing. I think it's a cultural shift and like, like our parents never talked about that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> like that was a shrink or crazy doctor, whatever, whatever you want to call it. Like that was super looked down upon just kind of like, you know, divorce and teen pregnancy and like all of these other things that like, nah, people care less now. Like we're, we're all suffering. Why not talk about what my therapist taught me? And I'll tell you, like, it's kind of like sharing advice from therapist to therapist. Um, yeah. The same thing goes with like medication. Like I'll openly talk about all the medication I've tried. I, I see what you mean. Like people are opening up and they're talking more, more about this kind of stuff. Right. And it's just, it's nice. I've seen it with, and I've been through it myself with um, ADHD, which mm-hmm. is this. This is a legit issue, and a lot of people suffer from it. A lot of people suffer from from a variety of things that relate to being on that that spectrum. And and I remember seeing a therapist to see whether or not I had ADHD, and he empirically said, "No, I don't have ADHD." But at the time, it was. I don't want to say the thing du jour, but it was like people would try and attach the feelings that they were having and their stress and their burnout. And they'd be like, oh, it's because I have ADHD and I need to go on some tablets and then I'm going to be fine. And and life is not always that easy, right? It's not like I've, I saw a doctor and they gave me a tablet and now I'm done, right? It's like mm-hmm. I, I've been through burnout. I went on tablets and it, it, that's not it. It's not done. It's just the start of trying to change the way you are and who you, how you work and how you deal with stress and things like that. So, you know, seeing a therapist and talking to someone openly about stuff and maybe medication is the right thing for you. But also you're going to need to make some changes, right? Well, Amanda had mentioned getting diagnosed with something later in life. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a few years more mature than Amanda or older, which depending on how you are. <laughs> just, just older. There's no maturity yeah. here at all. I mean, I didn't have my AD. I didn't even recognize my own ADHD until about six years ago, in which was because I was taking my son in to have him diagnosed. And the doctor took one look at me and, and our conversation said, Oh yeah, I see exactly where he gets it from. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. What? <laughs> what do you mean? The doctor was like, Oh yeah, you're, you're severely ADHD. And I've been taking Adderall on a daily basis for five years now, six years now. Because I, it just got my life got to the point where I, without it, I could not function in a day to day fashion. I, I, the tools that got me through life as a good, um, if not great, uh, um, security professional were failing because I was turning into a manager and just getting older. And some of the, those habits didn't work anymore. Sometimes I still have those days. I mean, the imposter syndrome is real, right? Yeah. In high sp- high stress environments, you look at everyone in the room and you pick the best thing that they're they're good at. You pick the trait that they are known for, and then you measure yourself not against what your best trait is, but against everyone else's best trait. And you say, "I'm not the best reverser in this room. I'm not the best manager in this room. I'm not the best incident responder in this room." Mm-hmm. Martin's case, so I must I'm, be worthless. Yeah, it's like Martin's case. I'm not the best email writer in this room, right? And it's you know, and and then you think I'm. I I'm, shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be here. Yeah. So, so uh, how is, how has it changed for for your work, Amanda, in the last 18 months? I mean, since, since the beginning of March, 2020 until now day three, three ninety six or something of March, uh, 2020, how is that? Um, how is, 
the pandemic impacted the work you do and how uh, do you think it's made it stronger or more necessary or do you think it's just it hasn't had that much of an impact um well i have a whole lot of flight credits now <laughs> <laughs> that you can't uh, use personally right? <laughs> that i can't use uh i need to go to iceland at some point uh worth but, going to yeah uh a couple of things so i mean our main model was setting up rooms at conferences to let people decompress. As soon as conferences went online, that ability goes away, right? Um, I'm not a huge fan of the online conferences because I'm in Zoom meetings all day long for work. And if I want to learn about something, I'm going to go watch it on YouTube. I'm not going to sit in a room at a scheduled time and watch it. But I understand why people do. But we tried in the beginning to do um, Zoom meetings, right? And then I think right away, like after the first month or two, everybody got really, really burnt out on that. And then it's not even helping, right? I don't care who you're talking to or what you're doing. It's just, it's not the same as being in person with somebody and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation, right? I mean, plus if you've spent eight hours in Zoom meetings at home, the last thing you want to do is jump on another Zoom meeting, right? Yeah, yeah, that just didn't really work. And then we, we just had, we had money that we needed to spend because like none of us, draw salary from it none of us like we don't the, the the money is always used to put back in the conferences like we have, we have just this money and we don't know what to do with it so we did a few things so all of our uh board members and a handful of our volunteers we sent to mental health first aid training which is a really cool class if you don't have if you haven't taken it highly recommend it it's in a lot of different countries. It started in Australia, and I know they're in the UK and US and Canada and some other places. For me, it was free. And it's basically, you know, how like first aid class, you walk away with knowing how to give someone CPR or how to triage a head wound to get them to an actual doctor after that. It's the same thing with mental health first aid. Like you can kind of triage and recognize when someone's in crisis and then not make it worse. <laughs> the tourniquet it's, does not go yeah. around the neck. <laughs> right, exactly. exactly. Um, so we started sending people to that class. So we got a bunch of people certified for that. And then we did just random things. So we did mental health feel good boxes. So you know how like you can sign up for like a subscription service for something that you're into and they'll send you like weird surprise stuff like once a month or whatever. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, we... We wanted to do like a one-time thing. So like if you saw somebody that was maybe having a rough time or just down or, you know, going through something in life uh, on top of the pandemic or whatever, you could recommend or, or like put their name and information in there. Um, we would reach out to them, tell them what we were doing, ask them if it was okay to get their address from them because we don't want to just, you know, receive random addresses from people on the internet. That was a bad idea. Good privacy thing. <laughs> yeah. Remember privacy, uh, people. Remember privacy. <laughs> uh, so we started hand making like boxes of, of cool like mental health hacker stuff to send out. And then we did some online painting classes, which uh, you didn't even have to like have your camera on or anything. But we had a group of I think we had 20 to 30 people get together and we shipped them paint kits. So I bought, you know, canvases and paintbrushes and all the paints added like stickers and some other stuff and shipped those all out. 
And that was open globally for people to do. And let me tell you, global shipping is very expensive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially in the current climate. If you're going to ship anything, it's going to be pricey, right? Oh, yeah. It was like 80, 90 bucks to send stuff to Germany, Italy, India, Japan. <laughs> like, I'm glad you guys are painting with us, but I only paid like 20 bucks per kit. <laughs> at, at that point, it's just like, I'm just going to send you some money. Can I just like Venmo you 20 can I, bucks? <laughs> can I just give you the money instead? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we'll see how that goes next time. We're going to open it up again and do another one of those. Um, it sounds like really fun, right? I mean, especially everyone feels very isolated, right? And mm-hmm. these kind of these kind of things where you bring people together to do something, even if it's something that's not, it's not, I don't want to say not meaningful because it's totally wrong, but it's, it's very meaningful. But you know what I mean? It's not, it's, it's not, not this, hackery. It's not, it's, it's not hackery, but yeah, it's yeah. also, it's not like this, this major thing. It's just something right. simple where you bring people together and you're like, hey, look, there's a hundred people on this call. You're not alone. You're just, you're just, you're one, right? Everyone's yeah. just together. And if you, and if you don't want to stay the whole time, it's fine. You don't have to, right? If you just want the kit and you don't want to dial in and you just want to do it on your own. Okay. But yep. you're, but you're one of many, right? Yeah. Yeah. So those, those were the few things that we did. Um, we did, we had somebody that I know that's in the community, their wife is a therapist. Um, and she came on and she gave, uh, she gave some talks about grief and it was kind of like a group, group grief counseling session thing. So yeah, we were just trying to provide, cause it was, I mean, you're right, Martin, like it was so needed just because everything changed and it was needed more than it ever was. I think before. I can honestly see it changing more in the future, right? And even though you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I'm still debating if it's a train or not. So, you know, this I think the the world has changed and we're going to be seeing some stuff in the future that's going to create a whole new set of curveballs for us. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to start dealing with people who experience homelessness because now suddenly they realize they have to pay 18 months worth of back rent and there's no protections. They suddenly yep. realize that the the job they had is gone. They suddenly realize that there's there's no health care and they can't get health care. And that's going to stigmatize a whole load of new issues that people might not be vocalizing right now, but it's in the back of their minds. So, I mean, this, this crisis is going to be with us for years to come. So I think this kind of work is just going to be even more important as we move forward. Yep. Is, are there major cultural differences I mean, this first is an international organization, and I know that some of the people we've talked to, there are some some so, some differences because of location. And and do you think that there's that much real difference uh, in the the security professionals around the globe and how they they deal with the stress? I I have to imagine the answer is yes, but I don't know. Uh, that's why I'm asking. So usually the things that come up because of the differences in like cultures and just geolocations and stuff usually have to do with healthcare and what's actually available. Right. And that's, that's a completely different, uh, terrible topic to talk about, especially here (laughs) in the U S but as far as like issues and how people cope with them, there's not a whole lot of difference. I mean, it's really whatever works for you. You know, people ask me, well, you know, how does someone cope with depression or how does someone cope with anxiety or how do they, you know, get through a death in the family or like all these other things that, you know, go through your mind that are all mental health related. It just 
depends on who you are. Like, sure. Like exercise and a good schedule works for me. Some people it doesn't do anything for, (laughs) um, you know, I, I know people that have gone through literally every single kind of medication that you could probably go through and still have severe depression and like microdose with shrooms and acid. So <laughs> it's like one thing works for one person, another thing works for somebody else. It's, it's, yeah, we're all dealing with it in our own ways. Yeah. I can see that culturally there's going to be a lot of countries that are going to come out worse off more in general and being very general mm-hmm. here. But I mean, Japan has a very specific work ethic and a very specific culture around talking about mental health and talking about mm-hmm. um, issues where yep. it's maybe seen as something you, you don't talk about. So I, I, I worry about people I know in Japan and, and you know, people who are in Japan just not really being able to vocalize how they're feeling right now. And it just kind of spiraling and getting worse. And and I'm sure there's a number of cultures where that's very, very mm-hmm. similar, maybe not quite as acute, but I mean, I'm still stuck on the micro doses of shrooms and, and LSD. I mean, <laughs> well, this, I mean, I'm but, not sure I would notice the difference in our conversations, Chris. I know. I mean, Berlin are probably doing fine. I mean, Amsterdam, yeah. Amsterdam, oh, not, not sure. a problem. Amsterdam are, yeah. are coping. Um, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, everybody, I, in, everybody in Canada is great. Yeah. A. Um, but um, it's, I, I also think, I mean, it, company to company, there's a big difference, right? I mean, I, I kind of have this benefit of working for a large international company where mental health days are a thing. I know, Martin, you, you have something equivalent to your company. Wellness days, of Wellness. which I have one coming up Friday. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Nice. But there, there's a lot of companies that are, you know, no, you should be in the office working nine to five and, get over yourself, right? Which is, you know, for, for people who work there is, is a lot harder to deal with than, than a company who you feel like they have your back, right? And and honestly, there's large companies that have mental health and wellness days that still treat their employees like that um, because I, I, I definitely think it, it has to come from the top down as far as giving a good example. So if you have like, your boss, your boss's boss or whatever, and they want you in the office nine to five and they want this, they want this, they want that, you're going to be way less likely to even mention wanting to take a mental health day because you don't think it's socially acceptable, even if, even if it's offered. Yeah. Um, I mean, like Chris, I'm lucky to work for a company where that mental health aspect of our reality is important. But on the other hand, even though I work for a company that, that feels that way, I, I do see people who work for managers who don't who kind of look down on that idea, who, who their management, their, their direct management um, doesn't see it the same way. Um, and one of the, the things that I've always been taught as a manager is my number one job is to make sure that my people get paid. That's the number one job, period. Number two is to make sure that they have the tools that they need to get their job done and that includes making sure that they have the mental health to get the job done, not just, yeah, you're here, you're, you're a, a warm body in a seat and doing something that sort of resembles what Chris would micromanage. Um, <laughs> and, but either way, it's, it's still the job of the manager to try and alleviate some of that stress and not enough of us do that. Mm-hmm. I think 
with the huge shift to work from home, at least, I mean, I, I think a lot of people are going to try and keep it. I know we did. Like we used to have an office. We definitely outgrew it during the pandemic, but then they completely closed it. And then now we just have like a PO box. So I hope more people like kind of take that on, but also recognize that like they need official programs in place. And going back to the whole healthcare discussion, like there's the American Psychological Association has a website that'll actually help like your HR people, at least in the States, help your uh, HR people figure out what you need for health insurance. Um, Because a lot of places don't cover it. Like every time I would go to my therapist, it's like 110 bucks. I'm not going to do that every week. You know, and what if you're like your spouse needs it or your kids need it or whatever, like that's more than a mortgage payment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And and to be honest, if you don't think you need it, then just having that conversation with a therapist might tell you, actually, that was really helpful. And then maybe I do need it. It's still cheaper than a divorce or um, a, a lot of the other things that could go on in your life if you don't actually take some time to do maintenance on your lifestyle and, and on the way you deal with the people around you. It's funny because my parents were both trained in in psychology and it made me realize, yeah, I I probably need some mental help to deal with my own childhood because that they were experimenting on me as a child. (laughs) Were they helping you get better or were they giving you symptoms so that you could, they could talk to you about them? Uh, if actually, they just left their psychology books out, which they discovered later was a really bad mistake when you have a child. You, you don't have to have anything wrong with you to go to a therapist, right? Nope. Some some people think like, oh, I have to have this condition, all right? My life has to be super messed up. Like You can just go. Like There's nothing saying that you aren't currently struggling and don't need to go. Yeah, and... and- I mean, having been through four therapists, you don't always find the right one on the first go. So if you do end up going to a therapist and talking to someone or whatever, whatever their speciality, and it doesn't click and it's not right, it doesn't mean that you should just give up. It just yeah. means that you need to keep looking, keep finding, is, keep find someone, right? It is worse than dating. <laughs> oh, I don't know that. Almost know. worse than dating. It's almost worse oh. than dating. Almost. You can you can ghost a therapist easier, I think. Although I, I, I will I will share with you a story that I, I about my my previous therapist uh, with without sharing any names, and it took my girlfriend point to point this out to me afterwards when I mentioned it to her. I got referred from one therapist to another, and uh, in the introduction, there's a video therapy session, and to the the therapist I got referred to said. Oh, this is what I do. This is my profession. I deal a lot with people who are a danger to themselves and others. I deal a lot with terrorism and <laughs> trying to talk people out of extremist views. And he's like, and I, you, you got referred. And, and at the time, I thought, I think you're saying something about my specific type of issue. But it turns out that he was just good, available, and speaks English in Switzerland. But um, I, uh, I actually asked him about it in our third session, and he just laughed and went, not yet. Seems fine. <laughs> like I don't look like a terrorist. Do exactly. I? I don't, I don't know. know. If, like, I'm growing a beard, and now maybe. I'm worried. Okay, it's been a rough. It's been a rough pandemic. I'm sorry yeah, that I, mean, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think I'd change that much, but right. you know, 
I don't know. My uh, my my extremist views are not well formed. I guess I don't know. Um, so yeah, I mean, um, yeah, definitely find a find someone who you can talk to, and if it's not a therapist, find someone a friend you can talk to, right? Um, you know, yeah, peer support works. It does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, at work, we have a, a system called Blue Badge or Blue Dot, um, where we'll have people who are at work who have like this blue dot symbol on their badges. And also they have them on their online profiles. And it basically, basically means that they're happy to jump in a meeting and talk to you about anything you want to talk about. Yeah. Just that it's, it's, it's like a volunteer thing where people go through a certain amount of training, very much like the, the, the mental first aid thing that you mentioned, but it's very focused on is like, Hey, you just want to talk about something you're highly stressed about and you need to talk to someone now there is someone you can talk to. They will, they will drop their meeting and they will talk to you because that's more important than whatever they were doing. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I would highly recommend other companies to start looking at that kind of thing, especially in this work from home environment where work from home masks the amount of time you're working. Like if, if you're in the office from nine to five and your boss sees you 95, he knows you're working nine to five. But if you're only in one meeting a week with your boss and you're working at home from nine till nine, Every day, he has no idea. She has no idea, right? This, yep. It's it's going to breed uncontrolled overtime and work and, and other types of stress. So, Or you're going to go the opposite direction and, and work seven to one and, and then uh, pretend that you're working hard the rest of the time by occasionally answering emails, but really just sitting and watching YouTube videos. Not that I'm talking from experience or anything. <laughs> Is this a sly dig at the four months I spent in Dubai? <laughs> Slight? Slight, okay. <laughs> so, Amanda, I mean, what from from your experience? What can people? What do people most often miss in themselves when they're dealing with some of this depression? Or of, do you have any guidance on on sort of things to be aware of, things to be paying attention to, based on what you've learned from the the um, first aid, the the mental health first aid. Um, so nor like if, if people are in crisis, a lot of times they don't, if they don't, sometimes they don't recognize it right themselves. So that's why it's kind of up to us to, to see that. I don't have it in front of me, but there's uh, a whole list of characteristics and stuff that you're supposed to go through. It's kind of our job to watch out for that. And if it's somebody close to you practice, like bringing it up. Because you don't want to just walk up to somebody and be like, you're depressed and you should go do something about it. It's very confrontational and doesn't always kind of work that way. Um, you know, you can bring it up like, you know, if you've been dealing with some stuff, just like talking openly about it and seeing if maybe they can be like, oh, shoot, like I've kind of I've kind of been not interested in anything that I normally love either. <laughs> Or yeah. I've, you know, I've had more physical problems because depression, like, can, yeah, can cause a lot of physical problems. Um, I think it was the uh, World Health Organization said it's the leading cause of, like, physical issues out of everything in the world, yeah. uh, which amazed me. It's it's a real killer, right? Yeah. So it's just kind of up to us to to kind of bring up that conversation. Cause even if maybe they do know that they're having problems, they might not, it, it's hard to bring up, right? Like you don't want to, you don't want to appear broken or, or, or whatever. And you're talking to Chris and I, we always appear broken. I mean, right. 
That's why I feel like so many people are fun talking to me about it. Uh, just because like, I'm, I just feel like I'm always a hot mess. Um, to be honest, cheaper than a therapist. So, you know, right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Start tweeting at me. <laughs> Uh, I mean, just to echo kind of what you were saying there is um, one of the strategies that I've tried to, to implement a little bit with people who um, I work with both up and down, like so I mean, my manager as well as my manager's manager and people who report up, up to me uh, in, a, in a tech lead role. When I have one-to-ones with people, I will make once a, once a month or, or so just have a meeting with them where I don't want to talk about work. I will talk to them about how they're feeling and what they want to talk about. Right. I'll ask, I'll ask my boss's boss. He'll be like, Hey, what do you want to talk about today? And I'll be like, I just want to spend half an hour talking about how you're doing. Like that's it. Right. And I'll do that because I hope that they will then do the same thing for people who they work with. And Mm -hmm. even if you're not currently going through burnout you're not currently suffering, you don't currently need that conversation. You, you need that conversation. (laughs) So it's kind of like, it's like a check-in. Oh Yeah. Just like, yeah, like a periodic check-in. You have to do it, right? And and it, yeah. even if you know this person is strong and they're doing well and they're like, you, you, they're, they seem happy, mm-hmm. it's like, just talk to them, right? Talk to them as a person, mm-hmm. right? But don't don't suck all the air out of the room by talking about you. Talk about them. And uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, I know it's hard. I find it really hard. Sometimes I have to talk about Martin, but most of the times I prefer to talk about myself. So we should really do a video podcast. That way you could see Martin's gestures on the video feed oh, yeah. as we do this. Yeah. Or my background, but actually, um, something both of you might enjoy is dinos and comics on Instagram because it's, oh, yeah. it's somebody who, who obviously has had some experience with mental health and, and depression and et cetera. Um, so they, every few days they come out with a, a comic book or a comic kind. I find some of them very insightful. Uh, Oops. That was my phone just go, going off in weird, strange things. Martin is playing a computer game while he podcasts. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. <laughs> well, I'm so. <laughs> and uh, we are so boring that Martin has zoned out and started playing Angry Birds. So, <laughs> I, I hear people have done worse on on Zoom calls, and I'll leave oh, it at that. Oh no, no, so oh, bad. No. Uh, oh god. Well, we've been talking for a while now, so um, let's let's draw this one to a close before uh, Martin levels up and uh, <laughs> and there's some kind of I don't know Final Fantasy level up music. I need some level up music. Exactly. I think we all need level up music in our lives. Right. Would be Sorry. would life be easier and less stressful for you, Chris, if the universe said, "Here is your quest list. You have to get these things done today to be considered an adult." No, that would just make me feel worse because I wouldn't achieve yeah. them. Yeah. I mean, no, if they were like shower, shave, eat breakfast, I could probably do one of those things. <laughs> Read this list. Yeah. Done. Uh, done. No, no. Your first list on your, your first item on every to-do list, write to-do list. Yes. Done. Check. Got to get that check. Those endorphins. Done. <laughs> Boom. I, I never managed to do that three things today, three things this week type get things done lists no mine's very frantic i just continuously know i'm doing things yeah no i'm busy that's it what did you do i was busy this is this is life (laughs) oh this is this is a great example of why people need to hear yes it's okay to be a little insane 
And yes, it's okay to be a lot depressed sometime because life is hard. And yeah, we're, we're okay with talking about it because we've, we've all been there. Yep. I'm hoping at least, I mean, if one person gets something out of hearing you talk about it, hearing us talking about it, I, I th- I'm consider us a success. Yeah. That's literally my, my goal every time. Like yep. when the, the, the couple people have said how uncomfortable I made the whole room, I'm like, you know what, then maybe it wasn't for you. Um, but I can guarantee you if, if I made one person in this room think, Oh my gosh, okay. I'm not alone. And there's other people. That's all that that's all of it's. Yeah. That's the main goal. Well, to be honest, I need to listen back to this to edit it. So I'll probably be thinking that <laughs> like the whole time. Hey, no, Chris, what you'll be thinking is Martin always makes the whole room uncomfortable. <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, oh, can't he mute his mic when he coughs? Oh, I have to edit around that now. But it's fine. It's fine. Amanda, yeah. before we digress again, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Hopefully, we'll we'll be able to meet up at a physical conference sometime in the future. Enjoy your Maybe. rumpus room. I don't know, whatever. The it's kind of like adult kindergarten, adult- almost. Oh, no, uh, all that screaming almost. and pooping. Oh, no. No. <laughs> okay, maybe not. No. Now, if you say adult kindergarten, you're going to get the wrong kind of people. I guarantee it. <laughs> so um, let's just stick with safe, quiet time. It's quiet safe space, time. quiet time. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Cool. Then uh, if, you, uh, if you need to find out more information, I seriously recommend you do. If you go to mentalhealthhackers.org, uh, there is a button there saying support us and you should totally support them. In, in everything they do. Um, if you're doing a conference, um, then uh, reach out if you want some ideas about how to create a safe space. And I'm uh, sure yep. that uh, Amanda and uh, everyone else involved in the project is able to provide you some details. Um, and the uh, the information on mental uh, health first aid, if you go to mentalhealthfirstaid.org, is, uh, is one of the places that do it, but I'm sure there's a number of uh, other ones in your areas as well. So um, definitely take a look. So thank you very much, Amanda. It's been great. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the First Impressions podcast and thanks to this week's guest. You can find Chris John Riley on Twitter at Chris John Riley, all one word. You can find me, Martin McKay, on Twitter at MCKEAY. And you can find the first organization at first.org, F I R S T. D-O-T-O-R-G. You can also find more information about FIRST and the FIRST Impressions podcast at first.org. Thanks again for listening.